When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome to the podcast today, friends. I just want to stop and pause and just let you know that whatever is happening in life right now, it's okay. We're celebrating abundance in the community right now, and celebrating, maybe living into and exploring this idea. And I just want you guys to kind of take that moment to just kind of identify, like we're doing this more deeply in the community right now, but just identify like what abundance means to you because abundance is a complicated thing. And I want you guys to just kind of sit with that, but I want to also have you think about how, when we have abundance, how we can share that. Whether it's abundance of love, whether it's an abundance of food, whether it's abundance of anything, how is it that that can connect us? And when I think about this, this is like kind of segues into this conversation I'm going to have today with Nick and Sarah from Loma Farm and Farm Club. They are our neighbors here in Leelanau County. And if you aren't in this area and aren't aware of who they are, Nick and Sarah are husband and wife who have a wonderful story to tell about how food connects us to community. And when we think about, like, when I think about the concept of grace and gratitude with what we have and how we can share it and how it can connect us, some of the people I think about are Nick and Sarah because their story I like really details that, like how you can build something for the better. Like it isn't about, it's kind of like, I just, basically, I just love their story. We'll just get to that. But I didn't really know their story as intimately as I feel like I know it now, even though we've been in a 
dinner club together pre-pandemic and hopefully getting back to, and we've been just good friends getting to know them over the last, like, I don't know, like five years. And since we moved back to Traverse city, we have a lot of mutual friends and then they were kind enough to, uh, let me come out and volunteer once a week when I first moved here before I had a garden and I just wanted to get my hands dirty and learn and just kind of experience what it is to work on a farm and what that looks like. And I could only manage like half a day, which is like nothing when it comes to farming. Uh, it's like a minuscule, like hot second. <laughs> so, and that's what I learned. And I learned an incredible amount. And we talk about that in the episode today. But what I also learned from them was the concept of connection and community through our food. And it's so good. And it's so deep in how they live. They're so such intentional people, which is something I deeply value when I, I was impressed working with them. And as a friend of theirs, like how intentional their life is. It's so clear. And Nick beautifully articulates so much of it, but Sarah's as much of a heart in all of that as well. And so I'm really excited about this conversation today. I think you guys are going to love it because it really speaks to that concept of community and really, I hope inspires you to connect with your local farmers and looking for farmers that are doing things like this in your area. So let's, we're going to jump in here in just a second, but I just wanted to say like, if you are enjoying these podcast episodes and you just want to support us, the best way to support us is to just subscribe on Apple podcast or to follow along on just hit the follow button on Spotify. Either one works great. It is the literally the best way to support us. So it means a lot. If you just want to see more interviews and podcast episodes like that, I really appreciate it. So that said, let's jump on in with Sarah and Nick from Loma farm today. I'm just excited to do this. I have to tell you guys that when I asked people who they wanted on the podcast, I got a lot of names, but like Without a doubt, you two were the people that that were wanted to be on the podcast the most. So That's you and so Abra. So yeah. Well, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I gotta, you know, snag you guys before you get too crazy. Well, you hopefully we disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure you won't. So, but we can just kick into it because I don't want to take too much of your time because I know you guys are busy. But um I basically just kind of want to start out like hearing, like, I think hearing your story, like I realized like I've heard parts of it, but I never really heard the whole thing, which, <laughs> so this will be fun for me, but, um, like how you guys got into farming both individually and collectively. And then like why you chose to come here to Leelanau, you know? Yeah. You want to take it? Yeah, sure. So I was Sarah and I met in Colorado and that's where I started farming. I come one generation removed from a farm, so I wasn't raised farming. My dad was a dairy farmer, and we grew up eight miles from the dairy, and that's where my grandpa and my uncle and my grandma lived, and my uncle still has the farm, but I honestly wasn't very involved with it. Occasionally, mm -hmm. I would go like pick rocks in the fields or bale hay, but I had really, I was disinterested in farming in general. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I mean, I gardened with my family the same way that any kid would with a family that keeps a large garden in the country. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. you know, kind of begrudgingly pulling weeds, and, <laughs> but enjoying the fruits of it. You know, I love yeah. my mom's cooking from vegetables, but you know, I didn't have a farmy upbringing. Yeah. I moved out West when I was 17 and it was primarily just because of a love of mountains. I'm mm -hmm. from Wisconsin. <laughs> and so I went out there and ended up in college and I studied, um, conservation biology. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I would go into protected area management, whether that was for a park service or the forest service. That was really what my goal and dream was. Uh, I graduated and I had to do an internship to finalize the degree. Mm -hmm. That was in Alaska on a wolf tracking and rehabilitation internship. Oh, wow. And That's so beautiful. I decided to ride my bike up there. Mm -hmm. from Colorado and <laughs> so I did that and halfway up I was informed you know that the internship could still exist but it was no longer going to be paid mm. and so I decided to not take it mm. so I finished the bike ride it was 4,000 miles to the Arctic oh Circle came back down ended up back in Colorado, which, you know, it was all up in the air when I left and yeah. Sarah and I were newly dating. We didn't even really know where that was going. Mm -hmm. I got back into Fort Collins and I found a farm internship very randomly. And mm -hmm. I convinced my advisor that it was applicable to my degree. Okay. And at that point it was kind of pre- college degrees in organic agriculture. Now, of course, there oh. was agricultural studies in colleges, but you mm -hmm. weren't getting a four-year degree in organic agriculture. So that's how I convinced them that it fit into conservation biology. <laughs> and I liked it, and I have never looked back. And that was in my early 20s. This is my 20th year farming. Wow. <laughs> so, but, and Sarah, well, and also, Nick, you aren't just a farmer like you're also cooking and baking and you you're like writing. We, yeah writing like I don't know how much joy your letters in the CSA boxes have brought me <laughs> over the years like or the letters you guys send in the mail the postcards the typewriter just like all of it the you're it's just like it's I don't even know if it's branding. Like, it's just who you are. Like, yeah, it's just who he is. Yeah. yeah. And that I think just extent, like, is just the piece wherein people, like, there's always this conversation in our community that, like, about low men, it's just like this feeling. It's more when you say that, it's in, I think that's because of both of you and that, like, feeling of community and just being yourselves and enjoying certain things and making them intentional parts of what you do. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely came to farming with um, strong ideals. Is that the right word? Like we were very idealistic. <laughs> <laughs> Nick had a goal to live on as like little money as possible. And like his, the, um, the guy you first farmed for, for that very first internship one time said to Nick, Nick, you're bad for the economy. Cause he wouldn't buy anything. <laughs> he would not like, he just was, he would only take showers in the pond, the irrigation pond that was on the farm. He only rode his bike everywhere. He would only like eat, you know, like an oatmeal 
and vegetables. And yeah, he was um, pretty hardcore about it. So I feel like that of like, like that's the nugget of why he started and why mm-hmm. he continues to do it. And so it's really like just kind of within him. Yeah. And Sarah, so how did you guys connect then? And then how did you get to Leelanau? From well, Colorado. He, so when he got back to um, from Alaska and did that internship, I at that time was working at a food co-op, and he had worked there as well. And I had mm-hmm. worked at one or volunteered at one in college, and um, and so that was our whole community. You know, that was like a really big, huge part of my life, um, and just being involved um, with the natural foods and organic foods from like the retail side of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and I had done a teeny tiny bit of volunteering um, and organic gardening in college and my grandma was an organic gardener and a master gardener and she was instrumental in starting like the gardens at um greenfield village and mm-hmm. she was she's an incredible amazing woman and um in college i would go to her house and help her in her gardens and okay. um so i was like this little start of my interest was in college and then i was at the food co-op and then nick got that internship and so half of every week i would spend at that farm with um, like on my days off from the co-op. And so then I started to work for that farm at the Boulder farmer's market. Mm -hmm. So he and I would work market together. Um, And so then that's when it started. And then I worked for an organic fruit grower from the Western slope that would come over to the front range every weekend. Um, He grew incredible peaches. He's like a, he's a fifth generation, I think fruit grower. Um, And so I was like slinging fruit on the weekends and vegetables at farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's kind of how it, I think, how it started. And then from that farm, Nick went to another one, like that internship ended. He, he went to another place that was, um, 150 acres. Oh, wow. Uh, and a huge, like hundred person CSA. It was a raw milk dairy. They raised lamb, beef, pork, chickens. It was a center for sustainable living. So we did like straw bale building and, um, we made our own yogurt and ferments and, um, yeah, there was a wood fired brick oven there and, solar power, wind power, yurt village that the interns lived in. And they were really cutting edge. You know, mm-hmm. when we were selling salad mix at market for them, we were the only farm at market selling salad. Mix. Yeah, I mean, this was 20 years ago. <laughs> That's hard to imagine. <laughs> salad mix wasn't an item in a store or at a market. It's uh-huh. you know, in, in parts of the country, you know, California would have that and New yeah. York would have that. But in much of the middle of the country, it wasn't, you bought head lettuce, you know, mm-hmm. and it was not that long ago. I mean, it was, but it's, you know, early 2000s doesn't seem like that long ago. Mm-hmm. And so it was, they were really just ahead of the time. And yeah. I learned, so I was, a, I was a really heavily involved in the dairy there. I was a co-manager of the gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, I also worked with the chicken flock and the you know, sheep. I learned how to drive a horse team there. So I drove wow. three horses up in the fields, disking, seeding cover crops. Um, and then also as my introduction to wood fire baking, because we had a brick oven there. Mm-hmm. We did, it was all just pretty It changed incredible. our lives. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And Sarah and I started a farm-based education program, nonprofit there as well. And so okay. we did you know, kids up to adults, education, half-day programs, full day and overnight. Wow. So that was really, you know, where I realized that that was definitely what I was going to do and that it fit my personality well and that Mm -hmm. I 
it was the best way that I could live with the least possible, but with the most fruitful life. And yeah. that was really the goal. How can I kind of check out of um, the, you know, consumerism that was such a, mm-hmm. and still is mm-hmm. such a unrealistic way to live, mm-hmm. but being fulfilled and happy and also feel like I was participating in, you know, my community and in, conservation. A, in a living way. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was cool. So there'd be interns that came from all over the country. So in the winter, the staff would go down to like five or six of us or, and then it would like climb up to like 11 in the summer. So we got to meet a lot of amazing people and really learn a lot of the skills that were quite frankly, that we're like implementing at Farm Club too, that we've carried with us all yeah. along. Um, so yeah. And then after that, after that, um, then we moved to the, well, I was always in the front range, but then Nick came back that way and we started our own CSA farm and market garden. Um, that was, we were farming five acres and it was on leased land. Um, and we had an amazing community there and it was, it was really, it was great. You know, our little red pickup truck, we would pull in the farmer's market with just like, you know, the typewriter and the truck overflowing (laughs) produce and oh it was such a such a show it was so much fun um and then we lost our lease we were farming on leased land and so it was that at that point we decided that we had been like there was no way we could afford to stay in Colorado yeah the real estate and the water Mm -hmm. was so expensive and we certainly were not going to be able to um buy land and continue our business on the income we were making from mm-hmm. farming. <laughs> and I owned a cafe at that time too. I had a little like cafe coffee shop where we did all of our own baking. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, um, I had, I had partners, I, I co-owned okay. it and managed, I ran it. Um, and so, yeah, I had like nine employees and, you know, it was espresso and, um, we grew a lot, all the vegetables and I would bike them into the cafe and so it was them like mini here. farm club. Yeah. It was like a way <laughs> mini. <laughs> yeah. It was just the start. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so I owned that for five years and then we decided, um, we checked out all sorts of towns and places in the Midwest and we had like our little checklist and, um, we took off in the winter on a road trip and we checked out like places in Iowa and Minnesota, Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, and I grew up downstate. So when my mom caught wind after I had been in Colorado for 10 years that I was, that we were going to move, she started to like really, uh, you know, scout real estate, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, that Craigslist. And so she had actually found a piece of property on Coleman road, I think up here, it was like a little 10 acre of property. And so she had sent that to us and Nick was like, what do you know about Trevor city? And I said, Oh yeah. You know, I never thought I'd come back to Michigan. Like you could not have, if you would have told me I'd be back in Michigan, I would have just, there was no way I was coming back. (laughs) I was a Colorado girl like through and through, but, um, we just knew we needed to go somewhere where there was more opportunity where we could own our own land. We were so tired of farming other people's land. It Mm -hmm. became critical that we own yeah um, critical to us yeah so anyway a series of things happened and we ended up in Trevor City <laughs> and here we are just yeah and here we are don't throw away neighbors I know <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah we actually got offered jobs at Pleasanton Brick Oven Bakery okay, by Jim yep. Gerard and so that was kind of the impetus we thought wow we'll go there and we'll bake for a year and if anything you know we had always thought we would kind of buy our land, start our farm again, build a brick oven and do like farm pizza nights yeah. and you know, that kind of stuff. There's a farm in Wisconsin or Minnesota, A to Z pizza farm that we had visited on our little mm-hmm. track. We were really inspired by them. And, um, 
it's Wisconsin. Is it Wisconsin? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so we just thought, well, we don't know if we'll stay there. Yeah. But we have these jobs, so we may as well go for a year and check it out. Give it a try. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I like, I guess I didn't know all the, like you guys always tell like little bits, like at dinner parties, you guys have <laughs> talked about like little bits of the story or like, you know, things like that. But it's just cool to like hear it all at once because it makes a lot more sense. Like I think like how, like, I, I just think like life always takes us through these motions, you know, that lead us to the next thing in some way, whether we realize what we're going through or not, there's this moment that happens. And then we realize, oh, you know, like five years down the road, like that's exactly why that happened. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, like, so it's cool to like hear that and then see where you are now and yeah. what you're doing now. And even how this will lead to something else down the road. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. When it was like one of the, like the week we were about to open Farm Pub um, or we were opening, we were there and some friends from Colorado that we've known since those some Guidestone Farm, um, those days, they stopped in and she, I remember she looked around and she was like, yeah, this makes total sense. Of course, this is what you're doing. You yeah. Know, like, I am not surprised at all. This is what you're doing. Of course. And I thought, oh yeah, I guess, yeah, she has different perspective and I appreciated hearing that from her. Well, and I think like some people listening to this obviously won't be from Leelanau County and Traverse City and know who you guys are, or like what, what farm club even is. But I think it's to describe it, I think, well, first of all, you guys held so many farm dinners. Like when you, if you, as a member or somebody in the community who was a part of what you guys were doing, you held these dinners that there are probably like two other places that I've experienced. Like the, I guess I would just say like the, the communal aspect of what it is to gather in a very real and honest way. And you guys, and then Kimmy and Andy, um, mm -hmm did that. And I've never experienced dinner like that, like in the way that it feel like not, it's not just that you grew everything, but then how you connected a chef into that picture and brought in like Nick's bread and like, even how, you know, the way that we set the table, the way that there's a record playing and like the whole picture of it, or even moving into the greenhouse and just like the magic that that creates. And it's, I think people think that the, we see so much of this like dinner gathering and granted we're in the middle of COVID. So it's still like a, not a thing right now, but it will be again one day. And just, I guess like people see these things and they forget that, you know, the things that really matter are the things like you guys always put at the forefront, you know? And I guess like how, like, I think some people would wonder like, how did you know those are the right thing? But I think it's more than that. Like, you guys just saw that the people and the individuals and the food were the things that needed to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always saw. And I always was like knowing that that's what you guys would do. And so I always have valued that in what you guys Thank do. You. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, but did you learn that or is it just something that, <laughs> I don't know if you can even put words to it probably because it's, it's one of those intangibles I feel like. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that we are learning it. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and we learn it from others um i can remember once 
someone told me that being a good host is a real skill, but they said being a good guest is an even better skill. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. going into people's houses and especially the ones that really charm you and you're Mm -hmm. impressed with their style and it feels flawless and everything's Mm well-placed and not in a pretentious way or even intentional, but just in a way that makes you feel comfortable and good and happy. Mm-hmm. And so I think paying attention to scenarios like that and wanting to mimic people that are so good at it. Yeah. yeah. And I think Nick and I are sensitive people and somewhat yeah. private despite our, like <laughs> what's turned out to be a pretty public kind of facing. Yeah. Distance right now, but we're really, we are private and we really are sensitive to like, so when we go places, like if we do have a great experience, you know, and you can relate to this, I'm sure, but you know, when something feels good and you can't even put words to it, but it's just, feels good. And I think the opposite is true. If you go somewhere and like the light is bright and the, (laughs) you know, the music is just noisy and I don't know, there's a lot of different things that can be just kind of jarring on some level um and so I don't know I guess maybe we just uh when we're hosting we just I don't know we just make feel it comfortable we just feel it yeah and you know the truth is that this work is really really hard Mm -hmm. incredibly rewarding and also incredibly painful at times this lifestyle Mm -hmm. like it's very stressful very challenging Mm -hmm. um and very rewarding and fun. And so it feels good to celebrate it with people. And like when you're here working, you know, for Nick, who's here 24 seven working, you know, crawling on his hands and knees and his entire, the the entire staff also, um, (laughs) you know, to have this moment where you're entertaining 30 or 40 or 50 people, Mm. it's at your home, it's at your job, your work, your business, like you really want it to shine you want it to be beautiful. We're proud of it. And so it feels like it would be a disservice to just like have people out and just have, you know, buckets kicked around and the vegetables yeah. and, you know, like it's really, it's, um, something we're really proud of and well, you're feeding everything out of us. So it feels good to like share it. <laughs> Absolutely. And like you're oh, yeah. feeding a community of people and there's something to be said about that. You know, it was actually like, I remember this Thanksgiving when none of us were really doing Thanksgiving (laughs) and we ordered from farm clubs, some takeout things. And there was a letter that came with it from, and Nick had written it and just talking about how we gathered in the way that we were all eating from the same soil and we were sharing this meal. And I think we forget about that so often is that how important that like concept is that, you know, and that's why I think I really fell in love with the concept of, you know, a crop, you know, like community based agriculture and like supporting farms that way is because it's like, okay, you guys are doing all this heavy lifting. We get to enjoy it, but we also get to like support you through that process and how it just like builds this beautiful circle is really awesome. But I think like hearing from farmers about that specifically is really cool because I think we think about, oh, we're just like getting this box of vegetables and it's really expensive up front. How do we front that? Or like, you know, but we forget that like there's a reason why that is that way. And, you know, so maybe explain some of that too, because I think it's just like the most beautiful way to experience food is to get a CSA. So. Yeah. Um, 
I wanted to touch briefly before I go into CSA on yeah. the whole experiential dining thing. <laughs> yeah. One thing was when we moved here, we didn't have any contacts. We didn't have friends. We didn't have family. I yeah. mean, so family lived downstate, but that was four hours away. And so you didn't know anyone like you didn't no. have Zero. not a person. <laughs> That's so amazing. We, we quickly got this farm going and uh, we would go to market mm-hmm. and people would just walk right by because we were new and we weren't mm-hmm. vetted in the community. And we had come from a community where we were so embedded. We didn't mm-hmm. have to advertise. We didn't have to talk. People trusted us. They knew our food. Everything mm-hmm. brought to market sold. All of our CSA shares sold. And then we were the new people and we're laboring and toiling and mm-hmm. loving food so much. And we bring it and it's not even looked at, you know. And yeah, we realized quickly that the component that's the most important in farming is the community. And I don't think we knew that. I mean, we knew how much we loved our community. We mm-hmm. were well aware of that, but we didn't know how much we loved to farm for our community. Mm-hmm. And having that missing was revealed at all. And so that quickly made us realize how important CSA is to us, yeah. to build our community, but also how important it is to share the experience of the farm with the community via mm-hmm. the community. That makes so, so much sense. We yeah. would have a moment. And so, and there's so many moments in food. And to me, you know, we'll be eating something and it's, you're just almost not believing how good it tastes. You know, this <laughs> thing out of here. Like, uh-huh. And every year we do this. Every and every year, year we're the first away. radish. The yeah. first radish, Brody's like, oh my God. Yeah. And so, <laughs> the first pea, the first green bean. And then, so, how do you share that? Is the question. And then, at the same time, I'll be writing the newsletter for the CSA, and I'm always listening to records when I do, mm. and often having a drink. And yeah. it often, you know, I'll be playing like a, a bolero from Mexico that they're so emotional, and mm. it, and I'm feeling the my memory of the work from the week. I'm experiencing the memory of the eating mm-hmm. and this music, and I'm. This is what I need to share with people because it is it feels more real than life itself. Yeah. I resonate with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that is the the stage that we would try to set for Mm -hmm. both the CSA as an experience beyond just eating, Mm -hmm. but as a community experience and experience of what the land is and how we can relate to it. Mm -hmm. And then the dining experience with uh, dining events on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I, I, I feel like that's like how I write is I like have to have the right music and like the right drink. (laughs) And I hate admitting that I have to drink sometimes in order to get the words out, but it's so true. Like, so I so connect with that. Uh, but yeah, that makes so much sense too. Like why I, well, I think that paints a really important picture though of why the community, you know, a CSA is really important to farmers, because I think there are many farmers that are in your situation where it's like you're moving into a community where it's affordable to do the work that you want to do and you want to serve that community. Like that's what you're there for first and foremost, right? Like you want to grow your vegetables and serve that community well. And there's, there's so much that goes into doing that. And 
I don't think that I even fully understood it until, you know, I volunteered a few times on the farm with you guys and experienced it even for half of a day, once a week, like the amount of not just work that goes into it, but the, how much just planning and focus and care that goes into it all. It's not, it's not like gardening at all. It's not like growing things on a homestead at your house. Like when you have to, I just remember harvesting all those onions on an August day with you guys and just stinking forever and being so (laughs) dirty. And I was like, like, and I still felt happy because I love that kind of stuff. But I, I just was like, this is the hardest ass work I think there is out here, you know, to do this and then to come up shining and happy and like excited to share that and present it and like see how an onion looks when it comes out of the ground and and how it looks on your farm stand or in your CSA box is unbelievable. So (laughs) (laughs) So that's a a piece of it is the community and the community support agriculture. And then there's like the supported part. And that's where I think maybe your question you know, it was also what you were also kind of wanting us to speak to. And that's like, I feel like the first 10 years of farming, Nick was learning how to farm. And the second 10 years, it's been learning how to run a business Mm. Um, because they're two different things really, you know? Um, And so like, you can take an internship to be, to learn the farming piece of it and manage it. But if you're managing someone else's farm, it's even different. Um, But yeah, then there's just the business piece of it and just like invoicing and QuickBooks and, you know, all the really like super sexy stuff. stuff. Yeah, exactly. And just like um, sales, you know, like there has been times where like other, I don't know, like our sales would would dip for some reason or um, just something would be going on and, you know, it would be like Nick would have to like throw the sales hat on and like hit the pavement and go visit all of our restaurants and Mm -hmm. check in with everyone and just really let them know that we were thinking of them and caring for them Mm -hmm. and wondering what we could do. And like, you know, and so there's like that sales piece of it too. And so, um, which involves the community aspect of it, you know, totally. and we would be, we intentionally, you know, when we moved here, we set ourselves up to be a restaurant farm, Mm -hmm. um, communities like CSA also, but Mm -hmm. primarily restaurant and a little bit market. Um, and a big part of what we would do would just make sure we were showing our faces in the restaurants that were mm-hmm. our customers too, and, and getting out there and trying to support them because we did not for a minute take for granted their support of us. Um, yeah. and we just really wanted to, you know, make those connections and, and support them. And cause I think that chefs are probably, they, when we're out here, like the onion harvest that day that you just mm-hmm. talked about in that moment, I, I think like, yeah, the chefs in the kitchens, they're also they're on the other, they're like working just as hard, you know, like they it's are. a really intense profession and mm-hmm. stressful and, um, not always really comfortable, but yeah. Anyway, so the support part, I don't know if you. Yeah. The, you know, this is always the conversation that's had around CSA is the importance of that early income in spring. Yeah. So yeah. farms have, um, the largest percentage of expenses coming in in spring, you're buying all of your inputs, your seeds and your mm-hmm. fertility, you have a lot of labor, but you don't have any income. And yeah. so it is not just um, like a sales pitch. It's the truth. Having yeah. that early income from CSA, it, if we didn't have it, we wouldn't get through spring. So yeah. and you know, many farms, this is a, this always blows my mind, but many farms take 
operating loans every single spring. Mm. And, they, and it's a one-year loan. It gets you through the spring and into the summer. Then you pay it back. Yep. They often come through like a farm credit unions or the USDA. Yep. And it just blows my mind that there's a business in the world that exists that needs to get an operating loan every single year to get through the spring. And <laughs> but a CSA is an operating loan. It is. If we yeah. are getting that money and we need to pay it back via yep. vegetables. And yeah. so and it's just the way that it works. It ebbs and flows. You know, there's yeah. um, times of abundance and times of scarcity, and it happens every single year. Mm-hmm. And that component of early income from the CSA is crucial. Yeah. And there's yeah. Also, you know, there's also a little bit of that. And they also speak of with CSA that um, if you were to suffer a natural disaster, for mm-hmm. example, and lose a crop, that the brunt of the loss is dissipated over a whole community rather than on the farm mm-hmm. itself. Oh, that makes and sense. That's true too, which we, Sarah and I experienced. We on our CSA farm in Fort Collins, we had a six-inch hailstorm. June twenty-second, and it, 22nd. And oh it, my. it, it decimated. Does, every single thing was dead. Everything. Row cover. Row cover was flattened and soaked in mud, and the tomatoes underneath were just stripped, just like a. Oh I mean, there's nothing left. How do you even recover from that? We still have. It's honestly, yeah, like if you hear thunder in the night. It panic. Yeah. There was certainly post-traumatic stress from it. And we just didn't know it at the time. But so you don't recover. The community rallied. Um, We were giving out like these (laughs) shredded scallions. (laughs) (laughs) Like like the uh, heart of a head of lettuce that was the size of like a tennis ball. Yeah, I'd buy it. Like just like cancel it or give back money or whatever, and all of our CSA members were like, "No, just like follow through. You know, you can do it. We'll take whatever you have." And then you know, people brought transplants over. We direct seed, we rip crops out. An army of like twenty volunteers came out and just helped us like recover all the stuff out of the mud. And yeah, if that ever happens, call me. I'm in. I'm there. So we've experienced that part of the CSA component too. And yeah. So it's it's all the truth. Those talking points around CSA are the reality of it. Yeah. And I think like I always also tell people because, you know, it, it does feel expensive to do it up front. But then when you really break it down, though, yeah. it's not. When you think about your own grocery bill of going to, you know, even a conventional grocery store. I would dare to say that the price like per week is going to almost compare. And what I always like about that is like, I just know without a doubt that those vegetables that I'm eating, like the fair labor practices, that the money is going, you know, money is energy in so many ways. And like that energy is going back into my community. There's, you know, I know that if I bought vegetables from you that you're going to reuse that money to pay for things locally well, or you're, you know, everything you're doing is good because with whatever money I would be giving to you. And so I just think there's, there's so many benefits to it. And so I'm always, you know, preaching it a little bit, but it's (laughs) (laughs) just because it's so important. And just knowing that that farm, like you guys, you're doing it right. You know, like you're growing things with the land in mind, with a conservation mindset that you're 
that land is thankful that you're farming it in some way. You know, you're not like decimating the topsoil, you know, and doing things that are extremely harmful to the greater good of humanity and the ecological world. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, but I think that's what's been so cool to watch with Farm Club is that now this experience that has been what Loma is, I mean, granted, Gary and Allison, Jonas are a part of it too. And you have partners that are amazing and also mindful of the same concept of community right alongside you. But it's this thing that most of us as locals have been able to experience with Loma and this feeling that is exuded from what your vision is now being able to be experienced on a more like, I don't want to say commercial, but it kind of is like more of a commercial aspect. And, you know, you can have those like dinner experiences that I'm talking about at the, at farm club now, like that communal aspect that, you know, just being able to sit in the summer underneath all that garlic hanging outside, (laughs) you know, I think that's just so Loma, like, (laughs) and now farm club, you know, and I just think that that's so cool. So it's amazing to see. And then for people just to walk through like the rows of vegetables that you guys are growing and because there's so many people who don't get to experience that. And I just feel like it celebrates what Leelanau is too. Yeah. And that's what we were hoping. That's exactly what we wanted was to be able to like protect the land nearby and um, really bring the farm experience. I don't know, to make it more public and Mm -hmm. make it, you know, um, it's authentic of course, but yeah. um, So you could just be there getting a beer and some onion rings, but you're still on a farm and the onions were harvested just right out, you know. Well, right and the, the like yeast in the beer came from like the pears. Yeah. And, you know, party. like yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty solid. Like yeah. <laughs> it's very thought out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I guess like we'll just like kind of wrap it up a little bit in the sense like, what do you guys see that lies ahead for this next year and like the challenges maybe that are presented to you or if you want to talk about those or, you know, just we've, after experiencing a year like 2020, like what do we see as that just is bright? Maybe even, <laughs> I think we yeah. all need some brightness. Well, I think, yeah. I was going to, we, um, we were talking about this earlier today. I think like that opening farm club during COVID during a pandemic was definitely extremely stressful Um, But there were a lot of silver linings. And one of those was that we got to be good news for people in a year and a spring and an early summer where there wasn't a lot of good news. And we kept hearing about small businesses closing and restaurants shutting down. And we got to open up during that, which was very challenging, but also very exciting. And we got to be a bright spot for people. Um, 100% agree with that. What's that? I 100% agree with that. It brought me so much joy to know you guys opened. Yeah. And so people would come in, I mean, daily, we would hear so many people say like, this is the only place I've been since March or the first place I've been since March. And, you know, we opened in July. We heard that all summer. We heard that all even into the fall. Um, and so it felt like it was, a, it, in some ways it was really lucky timing and mm-hmm. we were lucky that we had a giant, you know, we have a big outdoor space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that felt really exciting and I don't know. I felt lucky. Yeah, I think for me, the 
writes for the future that excites me most with Farm Club and MoMA is it, we were concerned, we wanted the experience that you talk about in the field eating at Loma to be what everyone experiences every day. And we thought, is that even possible? Can we do mm-hmm. the quality of food? Can we keep the integrity all mm-hmm. the way to the, you know, dried garlic, you know, mm-hmm. not buying powdered garlic, but powdering our own garlic. And, yeah. and we go to that minutia and not for the, like the um, show of it, but because yeah. we want to cook with real food and it's fun that every one of these little projects adds a depth of interest and even entertainment for us as workers yeah. and all of our kitchen staff and farm staff. And we were concerned, can we pull this off? And mm-hmm. seeing that we can, yeah, as we have, and it feels like it gets better all the time and mm-hmm. we can dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the quality and the story that is just inherently attached to every piece of this food. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting. And I think it's liberating as a farmer because I no longer have to be so much at the whim of the market. We Mm. can grow Mm. the most wacky stuff and we are the market. We are the market. Yeah. And and it's not for the, again, it's not for the sake of growing wacky. It's for the sake of exploration and curiosity. Yeah. And that is a fun and very privileged path to be able to follow. Yeah. That's a really, I like that you say the word curiosity because that's what it feels like. Like that comes through in so much of what you guys do that at Farm Club and at Loma, where there is this sense of play and curiosity in what you even choose to grow, why you choose to grow it. Yeah. That's so true. (laughs) I like that you use that word. That's, I, I hadn't thought about that, but, and that's something that I've really tried to pursue personally, like this last year is just more curiosity and not like jumping into some, you know, it's like, why am I doing this? Oh, I'm just curious about it, you know? And, and I, you can't, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily right in your curiosity or that will plant pan out a certain way, but, um, in a positive or negative way, but it's just fun to even try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's really fun. It is an exciting thing to have um, kind of a culmination of, you know, decades of growing food and cooking food and traveling and studying food and language and, mm-hmm. um, and all of these moments that we as farmers get to experience just Nick and I at our kitchen table through the years. And it's yeah. so fun now to have, um, you know, a, I guess a platform for lack of a better word, but like a, a way to share this with people now, mm-hmm. whether they're total strangers or friends. Yeah. Um, we get this opportunity to, for Loma to evolve as a business and um, to be able to like share these really incredible moments and this great food. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like we're excavating history for mm-hmm remembering how to live on Mm. the planet and what does that mean living at the 45th parallel where it's winter half of the year yeah can you actually eat well off of your land and the answer is a resounding yes Mm -hmm. and that history still exists and now we can be the torchbearers and we can pass it on Mm -hmm. look we can do this and not it's not a sacrifice it is actually a tremendous uplifting of 
the lifestyle. Yeah, it's know? a celebration. We get also we have this kitchen now full of chefs and cooks and and non-cooks and non-chefs that are coming and working <laughs> at farm club. And they get to like, you know, we get to learn these and celebrate these and teach these food traditions together also, mm-hmm. which is really super fun. Um to get to share those. And yeah, we ran a restaurant and used I think 90% of the produce we've used on our menu since July has been all Loma. And even in March, February, January, that's something to be really proud of. Yeah. I can attest that That winter, (laughs) (laughs) the winter rations were a huge hit in our house. They were like, Oh my gosh. It's like, I was so sad when they ended. <laughs> I was like, no, it can't be over. <laughs> we'll do it again. That was one of those things that we like kind of all talked about. Like, you know, when you're dreaming up farm club and you're like all these ideas and this all sounds really ambitious. Like, yeah, and we could do this and we can do that. And we have all these great <laughs> ideas. And then, you know, a lot of them you think never happen or won't mm-hmm. happen. Or you think, yeah, we'll do it next year. But that was directly one of those like COVID panic. Like we, the restaurant got <laughs> shut down. Like, Oh my God, how are we going to make money? You know, like, how can we feed people still? How can we make this community? (laughs) Community. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, I sent it to like every single person. I was like, sign up, sign up. Like, we got to do this. This is so fun. It's like we're eating together, but we're not. Yeah. And even like when you guys said, like, I remember when we got the cabbage soup, and I just was like, I mean, I've had cabbage soup before. I mean, I'm a northerner, so that's like not an abnormal food. But I was like, oh, guys, like this. But then I was like, no, it's Nick and this is Farm Club. It's going to be great. Like, <laughs> and sure enough, it was freaking amazing. And Mike and I both, Mike, Mike had never had cabbage soup. And because he's a Texan and that's like, why would I ever have cabbage soup? And, <laughs> like, and he was like, okay, like I'm into this. Like, and I think a few weeks later we made after the rations had ended, he was like, can we make cabbage soup? And I was like, well, it's not going to be as good. (laughs) Give a shout out to Katie. Yeah. Katie in the kitchen came up with that. She's like the cabbage soup queen. She's super good. I mean, cabbage is, I think this would probably surprise people, but cabbage is definitely my favorite vegetable which is really funny to say, but it just is the vegetable that never ends. And it is a life giving blessing and a curse. It is like, (laughs) but there's so many things you can do with it. And it, I just think it's like the, maybe it's the most underestimated vegetable, which I'm always voting for the underdog. So, right. And and it's an incredible store. We still have dozens and dozens of heads in the cooler that were harvested last October. And our cooler is not, like climate control it's not a fancy box it just we just plop cabbage in there and we still have (laughs) well and it's packed full of nutrients like it's like yeah i don't know it's so amazing and i yeah i think it was avra and i had a conversation about cabbage one time and it was (laughs) and we were talking about how it's just like the best vegetable like i don't know it's also like well, it's not super easy to grow. You know, you got the cabbage worms and things like that. The one last question that I have to ask before we jump off is because somebody asked this that is in our community and they, they said, cause I always ask them if they have any questions for people. I don't ask on Instagram anymore. 
Um, but <laughs> that's a, another conversation for another day, but I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have a love hate relationship with Instagram, but my community, 140 wonderful people that are very committed and just kind souls. It's like my CSA group. Um, right. yeah. Um, they is one of them said, I would love to know if they ever fail and how they, how they handle those moments when they do fail. And obviously you do oh. fail because you're humans. So yeah, good question. Wow. But <laughs> I feel like if you're farming, you fail. It's you wouldn't believe. It's like a hundred to one. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. I mean, it's just, honestly, it's failure after failure. Mm-hmm. And the overall end <clears throat> feels successful, which is nice, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've suffered some big failures and they're hard. They're hard to recover from. I don't take them as gracefully as I wish I would. You know, I have such high expectations, not only for myself, but for my experiences in the world. Mm -hmm. And that is a kind of challenging way to live because it ends up in disappointment often. (laughs) And so I think one reason... I mean, one of my drives is this desire for such perfect experience. Mm -hmm. And that leads to what I would consider failure often. And Mm -hmm. and that's disappointing. But I guess what keeps you going is then trying to accomplish it even better the next time. Yeah. Yeah. But I would be lying if I said I dealt with failure really well. (laughs) (laughs) I remember actually a specific moment at um, Black Market and I was there like doing a meeting or something and you walked in and I think it was like early October. It was like before we would have a normal frost and we had gotten dumped on like I think like six inches. And I think you said to me, you you said, we lost $10,000 in one night. (laughs) And I just, I just remember the look on your face was just like, I don't even know if I can put words to it, if somebody can understand, but like it, it was deep sadness. Like it was the deepest, like regret of life, like was all over you. And, but then you said you, you, I, I believe these were your words was, but we'll recover. We'll be fine. Like it was like, and then you were just like up and ready to go. And <laughs> and it was like, so you may say that you don't deal with failure well, but at least <laughs> on the face, maybe internally when you were back in your house and you're sitting in your yeah. room here and like trying to recover from the day, you're not dealing with it well. But yeah. <laughs> face to the public, you're dealing with it great. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so considering that's a huge loss, like that's a big loss. That was, yeah. But yeah, no, that's a, I was, you had said um, how when harvesting the onions, you were having the realization of this is like the hardest work that there mm-hmm. is. And the first thought that came to my mind is no, the hardest work is that your farming is out of your control. Mm. The labor is the easiest part of farming. Mm-hmm. And for me now, as I've been I'm, so I can exposed see that. to the risk. Yeah. That is, you can be the most organized person in the world, the most prepared, the most planned out, the strongest crew, mm-hmm. the weather will still bite you. Yeah. 
And bring you to your knees. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it will also provide, which is yeah. proven because we all are alive. And yeah. so yeah. But it's hard to remember that in the moment of loss that you've yeah. invested so much toil into. It is. And, yeah. and it, it all feels so pointless. Why mm. would this destruction happen? <laughs> it's just the nature of it. Yeah. And But that is, to me, there's nothing, it's impossible to explain until you experience the vulnerability. Yeah, and there's so and much humility in that. It never ends, right? Like you're vulnerable until there's like a couple months a year where we're not vulnerable, <laughs> where we don't care about the weather. I mean, yeah. there's like eight weeks a year where the weather doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's annoying. It is yeah. like the most irritating <laughs> lifestyle. So what would those months be? Because I'm trying to think about them and other than like winter when you're in a tunnel, <laughs> like I don't even know. <laughs> That's the only, January, yeah. February, the only months that don't that don't. And even then we're, we have a, you know, a cooler full of food that could also get ruined in some way, but not by the weather. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are the only two months that we can kind of just like not look at the weather, not think about the weather, not talk about the weather, not be asked about the weather. I mean, other than just skiing. Yeah. <laughs> other than skiing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's, uh, Nick's famously, he's always like, why bother? Why bother? <laughs> why are we doing this? Why bother? <laughs> I always tell people that like in the community, cause like our whole thing is just like, it's all about talking about failures and like, we're all going to fail. Like, and I, because it's even so true in that. And you just like pick back up and you'd keep going. Like you keep going. And I, I mean, I even had like my shishito peppers just didn't, they did not germinate for whatever reason. And then I restarted them and sure enough, those guys just started going all of a sudden. And it's like, okay, I, I have no idea why I have no, because every other pepper went, every other thing is going and you know, you just can't, you can't hold yourself too tightly to that. But my livelihood is not tied to those plants. You know, if my shishito peppers don't work, I'm going to come over to you guys and buy some shishito peppers instead, you know, (laughs) so hopefully yours germinated. (laughs) That type of thing will happen. And one of the farmers will say, why didn't they germinate? And I used to really try to figure it out. And now I just shrug. (laughs) I don't know. You have no idea. You know, sometimes things don't work. Yeah. And sometimes you just have a great, a great moment of it. And yeah, it's so hard to know. And it, it just amazes me, like how at-home gardeners, that are especially beginners, are are so hard on themselves about that. And I think it's so important to understand, like this is just nature. Like nature is never going to go perfectly. Yeah. Like when we say we're human, that means that we're going to fail. Like, and that's because we're part of nature, and nature doesn't always work perfectly. Yeah, and- we have farm tours and um, like at, at dinners and stuff, and people will say, "Oh my." my, you know, whatever it is, like my squash never looked like that, or my tomatoes never looked that good, or I can never get my, you know, Brussels sprouts to do that. And I remind them like, this is Nick's job. Like if he yeah. doesn't, if this doesn't look good, we have problems. You know, we've been doing this for a really long time. Like if you went to your work and just like, you know, failed every day, then you wouldn't have a job. And that's the same yeah. for him. You know, yes. like he has to figure this out and he has to make it work or we don't, you know, pay our bills and yeah our staff and our insurance and you know all of that yeah. so it's um it puts it in perspective sometimes like 
We fantasize about having a home garden, Megan. We can't wait for the day when we can just have like a cute little garden that we could like weed in an hour. And oh, it'd be so fun. One day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then it'll turn into a farm because you'll be like, well, I also want to try like 15 types of peppers and my two raised beds won't hold those. And then you're going to be in our situation where you basically have a farm. And yeah, yeah. but well, you guys are amazing and I cannot wait to sit around a table with you very, very soon. So that'll be so nice. And I is I really miss our like dinner club and all of that. Let's do it. We'll get it going again. I know. I'm think you know this summer. I think we just got to do it and just pick like a random Monday or Tuesday night and just make it happen. Yeah, like once a month or every eight weeks or something. Just get it on the books and or even just meet at the beach. Meet it even better. Love it. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for chatting. Thanks for asking with us or asking us to participate oh my gosh yes and hopefully we'll do it again because i think there's probably going to be a million other questions that people have so thanks so much sarah nick for sitting down i know it can be so busy and so it meant so much that we got to grab some time together and if you guys are at all interested in more of what they're doing you can follow them through all the links in the show notes and definitely check out farm club it's super innovative super interesting And I just remember sitting around that dinner table when this idea was cultivating and stewing with their partners in the business, Gary and Allison Jonas, who are dear friends of ours. And just watching this come to life has just been so incredible, especially during the pandemic when it launched July, 2020 and the doors opened. And to do that was such a, I just... I thought it was one of the bravest, most inspiring things I saw in our community because in a time where we all needed connection so much, they made it happen in a time where most people wouldn't have started something. So that's why I love them. That's why they are people that I just deeply value in my life and that inspire me. So And I feel so thankful that I get to live in a community with people that see that do that. And then everybody else rallies around them and says, yes, we're going to follow along with that. It's amazing to say the least. So check out Farm Club, go and support them. Find Loma Farm if you're up north and, you know, purchase some veggies, extra fancy, extra fancy veggies from them (laughs) as they call them. It's, they're so good. Seriously, best French breakfast radishes you will ever have and strawberries and anything pretty much. But the food at Farm Club, inspired by so much of Nick's vision and Sarah's and Allison's and Gary's. Yeah, it speaks for itself. I'll just say that. Anyways, you guys have a lovely day. And this Friday, look for something really unique. Remember, subscribe and you will find out something new that we're going to be starting every Friday. I cannot wait to share. You're going to get an insight into the deeper end of fresh exchange and what we're doing in our community. I think you guys are going to love it. Until then, friends, I'll see you out there. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.